This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Americans on U.S. soil connected to the U.S. government have complained about intense headaches, severe tinnitus, nausea, and other debilitating symptoms in recent years that are very similar to migraine headaches. But these are no ordinary migraines. According to a growing number of U.S. officials and experts, one of those experts, Robert Bayer, former CIA covert operative. There are reports that Russian intelligence, the GRU specifically, are using microwave directed energy weapons to attack Americans, including here in the U.S. It appears to me that Russian military intelligence has these advanced weapons and they're the ones capable of doing it and they're the ones capable of carrying these operations are attacking our diplomats and including people in Washington, D.C. Not only does Bayer think Russian intelligence is behind that, but he also thinks they've been whispering in the ear of Donald Trump for decades. But I think what you really have to do is go back to 1987 when Trump goes to Moscow and he comes back and puts three advertisements into the Washington Post, New York Times, and Boston Globe, and verbatim their KGB talking points. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. We've been talking for weeks about Russian intelligence activity against and inside the U.S., including the KGB's attempts to recruit former President Donald Trump when he was a young New York entrepreneur. Some of the people we've spoken to are convinced that he's a Russian asset. By that, we mean he's providing assistance in some way to Russian intelligence, whether he's aware or not. We've thoroughly explored that aspect of this story. On this show, we're taking a look at what the U.S. intelligence community is doing. Now, to be clear, no one from the intelligence community spoke to us on the record about this. But we were able to speak to several former intelligence community officials off the record. Some of the people we've spoken to in the not-too-distant past will no longer talk to us because that's just how sensitive this story is. And also, some of them have gotten warnings not to talk to us or any other press about these matters. But there are many people still willing to talk, and you'll be hearing from them on this podcast in the future. But today, one of the best there is, Robert Bayer, a former CIA covert officer, spoke to us about Trump. Russian intelligence, microwave attacks, bounties by Russian intelligence on U.S. troops, and much, much more. All of it in the context of what's happening right now. There have been a lot of developments since former President Trump left office, and um, a lot of what we've heard 
since he left office has been about his connection or the lack thereof, in his words, and other people who are close to him to Russia. Um, you are someone who is familiar with Russia, we're specifically from an intelligence point of view, and how they operate. So um, keeping this apolitical, I'd like to get you to give us some diagnosis on what you think has been at play here for the last five years during Trump's presidency and certainly before and since then. Well, let me start off by saying this has become so partisan and there's so much disinformation out there and bad information that it's very confusing to people. But I think what you really have to do is go back to 1987 when Trump goes to Moscow and he comes back and puts three advertisements into the Washington Post, New York Times and Boston Globe and verbatim their KGB talking points. You add that to the fact that he went to Moscow, was paid for by the KGB, by interest. And the conclusion you have to come to is the Russians were taking a close look at him. They don't buy first class tickets to take an American businessman, fly him to Moscow and promise him a hotel and, and so on. So we have to go back and, and look, at, look at the record. And the Russians were definitely cultivating him. There's no doubt about that. This is not a partisan statement. Uh, ever since then, Trump, as a lot of people in New York, um, was involved in Russian money laundering. And what I mean by that is that stolen money, stolen by the KGB, by the Communist Party and the Russian mob, was filtered through New York. Uh, Bank of New York was one of them. These cases are legion. There's been indictments. Um, now, whether he knew the money was stolen or not, who knows? I mean, he probably didn't care. But look at this way. Everybody in New York was using Russian money. So he was one among, you know, the many billionaires today, thanks to their, you know, their fortunes are th Epstein. Most of his money came from the Russians. So when you when you're talking about that much money, you're talking about a certain amount of control and where it shades off into was there any evidence, is there any evidence that the KGB had ever handled him as a recruited asset, a witting recruited asset? And the answer is, I haven't seen any. So, I think the way the Russians, yeah, go ahead. No, please finish. Yeah, no, I think the way the Russians do it is they just, they use proxies. You know, they, they, they got a lot out of it. They get to launder money. They have political influence. Uh, and don't forget in the 80s, that their major concern was Ronald Reagan, who kept on talking, alluding that he was going to end the evil empire. For them, this drove them nuts and scared him. So they were desperate, especially the KGB, to go out and find somebody who gave a contrary view. And whether wittingly or unwittingly, that was Donald Trump. And he did that. He served their purposes. And that's sort of the way I see the general picture. You were in the CIA in the 80s, correct? I was in the CIA in the 80s. Okay. I was in liaison with Russian intelligence in the 90s. I followed them. Not I'm not a specialist, but I did follow them, yes. Okay, so this idea that you mentioned a few minutes ago regarding the three advertisements that took place after that 1987 trip, uh, and you said they were verbatim, what were these uh, items about? Well, they were. the intent was to undermine 
the usefulness of our alliances, uh, either in the Pacific with Japan or NATO. And the argument that, that Trump put out, the KGB talking points, it's all a waste of money. Let the Europeans defend themselves. Why shed American blood for, for, for anybody? It was almost an America first. And the, the Russians' intent was to get us to pull back from around the world. I, you know, it, it, they, the Russians, I, even they didn't think this would be successful, but they had to go try. Because look, look, the KGB is as much of a, a fraudulent organization as most intelligence organizations are. So, you know, if, if they could take somebody like Donald Trump, who was unwitting of what was really going on, and, and sell that to the Politburo as some great success. So you have a lot of bureaucratic politics going on here. Um, and, and this is by this goes back to what confuses us so much. All right. So um, let's just kind of square this with what took place. Um, he came back from this 1987 trip. And somehow these ideas were put into his mind, you believe. Uh, and he came here and he essentially executed this these advertisements and began a process that, in some people's minds, uh, culminated with him being elected president uh, in 2016. Um, where did the ideas that he got regarding these advertisements come from? Do you know who? Oh, we don't know. It's somebody maybe in Moscow handed him a piece of paper or walked him through. He may not have known that the guy was KGB or woman, uh, or he came back and some of these Russian mobsters who were acting on behalf of the KGB said, hey, Donald, put this stuff out, and I guarantee you, you're going to get some business in Russia. It was probably a simple, and he says, what, I'm going to put $100,000 in these advertisements and I'm going to make millions and millions? Sure. Yeah, it's a good bet. Why not? And $100,000 was nothing for him. Did that happen? Yeah, they all won the newspapers. I mean, I mean it's but all a matter of record. I remember that. I'm I'm just having you recount this for our our listeners. But I'm asking, did the, the did the, the the money that you know he's ostensibly or allegedly? Oh, he no. He, look, he never he never got he never. There was no payoff that we know about. Now there are a lot of loans through Deutsche Bank, which may have been backed by Russia or Russian oligarchs in some way. And he still has these loans outstanding. But what we don't have is the smoking gun on it. We don't have a Russian going into Deutsche Bank and saying, listen, loan this guy 300 million, 400 million, whatever. And and, you know, you'll make some money off of this and don't ask any questions. We don't have that smoking gun. The, the assumption is that the Russians, either in property deals in Florida, using proxies, that house he had down there, or any number of these things were payoffs from the Russians. But from an intelligence perspective, you say, yeah, it's plausible, but I'd really like to see some evidence for it. And I have never seen it. I haven't seen the evidence for it. I mean, and the other problem with it is once he gets in office, if he wasn't beholden to the Russians and cared about his political career, he would have turned on Russia with a vengeance. Say, no, I'm not Putin's guy, and here's what I'm going to do. He could have lined up any number of sanctions, um, you know, released intelligence, gone on the record as Putin is the most evil person in the world, but he did just the opposite. 
So it, it, this is all circumstantial evidence. So when he goes to Helsinki and, and won't allow no, notes to be taken from his meeting with Putin, it doesn't look good. The optic is awful. So, okay, this brings us to now. Um, there are those out there in the intelligence world who are asking this question. Why isn't there or hasn't there been a counterintelligence investigation into all of this? Because you are one of a number of people that has spoken um, a lot publicly about this idea. There have been books. There have been extensive articles that have been written about the allegation of him being a Russian asset and Russia being his handlers. There is... There are any number of politicians on, on both sides that have, 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 have brought up issues uh, about this. Some of the, the politicians from the right have quit, have left the party. Uh, many of the Democrats uh, are believed uh, to be partisan about this. But the bottom line on it is Mr. Trump is in the middle of a very big discussion about what actually happened between him and Russia, if anything, throughout his life. And is there, in your mind, a counterintelligence investigation? Well, no, there is. I mean, the Senate did one, and it's good, but we really need to have a blue ribbon commission of people that's trusted that gets to the bottom of this. Because you have to consider that if Russia did promote him, and they did promote him as president in both 2016 in 2020. That's a matter of forensic record. Um, but, but the problem is that it's divided the country 50-50. And a lot of it has to do with Russia. The far right says, oh, this is all a hoax. And the left portrays him as a controlled Russian agent. I would imagine the truth is somewhere in between. But let's not forget that this Russian you know, active measures campaign has been more damaging on another country than since the Germans sent Lenin back to Russia. I mean, this has really, really been bad, and we need to come to terms with this. I've read all the books. I've seen this. I know who. The, I even know some of the major players that serve between uh, Trump and Russia. But I, you know, I totally agree with you. We've got to get to the bottom of this and and establish the record and we have to declassify everything because you can count on that the national security agency has all sorts of intercepts um, that we should need to see verbatim or what that message between roger stone and for instance the russians or what is the evidence against um any of these uh, assange for instance mm -hmm. Um, okay. All of them. I don't. I don't. You know who's I mean, who's the guy in Mex in Moscow who NSA guy who left who used to work for the CIA. Edward Snowden. Just, yeah, look at Edward Snowden. I okay. mean, right. the way I look at it as a former case officer is look, this guy's a Russian asset. But okay. I don't know that. I haven't seen the evidence. Okay, so that's precisely where I wanted to go. You, as a former case officer, now private citizen, but somebody who knows how things work looking at what's taking place with what's happening with the president's former lawyer, what's, what's happening with uh, his home and office being raided, uh, and what we know took place last few years between him and Andre Deerkatch, who is believed to be, and there's a whole bunch of 
I guess, evidence that he was uh, trained by the Russian intelligence. Um, so this has all taken place. And the question I'd like to ask you, doesn't that look like a counterintelligence investigation? Oh, absolutely. Or Klimnik. I mean, the fact that the president's campaign chief was in business with a Russian intelligence officer on the face of it doesn't sound good to me. I mean, there's no doubt that Kalimnik, you know, he's he's an intelligence officer and he set up business and they were sending all sorts of things were, were happening between the campaign and Russia. And frankly, any intelligence that comes through the Ukraine, I expect is tainted by Russian intelligence in one way or another. Or on the other side is anti-Russian to the point you can't trust it. But, you know, you you're, you just we have to come clear on this. And then Giuliani and then Victoria Tunsing dealing with this guy in Vienna, Furtosh, who's a, a, a Russian asset and, and or suspected Russian asset. Let me put it that way. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know who Furtash is in touch with. We don't know who these Derkash is in touch with. We don't know how they're controlled. Um, uh, or, the CIA may know or the FBI may know, but we're not seeing any of this stuff. It's left to our imagination. And so we're, we're sinking into these crazy partisan arguments. OK, so here's the problem for me right now, and that is people have known a lot of this information and this is out in the, in the in in the public. We've known a lot of this information, and have read and you know have I as a journalist have interviewed people you know from the intelligence community. I mean, it's useless to ask them anything right now because of a number of reasons. But uh, most importantly, because you know they don't talk about investigations. But it's a complete waste of time to even ask them anything about any of this. And 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 also know that. You know, in the last few years, there were people in the intelligence community that wanted nothing to happen when it came to looking into questions about what Russia was up to and what Russia was doing. There are people in the government, in the intelligence community that essentially, I'm told, sat on any effort to try to probe this. So the question I'm asking you is, how much of this stuff is known and why haven't people in the IC done anything with this? Because they're scared. They're scared to come out because they don't have the backing of their government. If you're an FBI agent and you find a smoking gun, you find a smoking gun, they'll and, and you and you, you know, bring it, you know, tell people what happened and insist and sit in meetings and pound on the table and said, this is important stuff. We need to open a criminal investigation. You lose your career, especially under Trump. Well, here's a part of the problem that we have right now. Mr. Trump is no longer here. The folks who were running the intelligence community during the the Trump administration that wouldn't allow, I'm told, uh, anything to happen are gone. So now it's a new group of people. And so am, am I am I hearing you right in that you, I'm thinking that career people are still afraid to step forward because of what could happen to their career now? Well, no, it's it's a lot better now because they allowed the uh, raiding of Giuliani's office and Victoria Tunsing's. So, I mean, they're basically I mean, the evidence against Giuliani and Tunsing was was out there under the Trump administration, but no one had allowed the execution of a search warrant. Mm -hmm. And now they are. And w as far as I can tell, they're just telling the Justice Department to say, go where you have to. Um, that's clear. But don't forget that that. 
this administration is fighting the battles it can. It can only fight so many. It can fight COVID-19. But on the other hand, it's losing the battle against that the election was thrown. I mean, that's such a basic thing is, you know, sort of like getting into Russia and have a, a truth and reconciliation commission. Man, if you can't convince people the election wasn't thrown, there's zero evidence that it was. Yeah. Um, then how, how are you going to convince them that, that Russia carried out the most effective covert action campaign in modern times? I mean, yeah. people don't even understand intelligence. Yeah. And so it, it, it's, a, it's an uphill battle for them. And that's a part of what I'm trying to do here now is to get get what we can from you because you do understand it and you can help us understand things. And it is a far cry better than trying to talk to a politician or somebody from the government or, you know, somebody from a an intelligence agency now because, you know, they're just not talking about anything that's useful uh, as it relates to this. So the so so he, so here's the thing. Right now we know what you've told us. We know where things appear to be going. Um, but there are problems that need to be dealt with. Like from my from my hearing, there are people in your former agency that are still at risk from these microwave attacks that keep popping up. And I'm not sure anything's being done. Have you heard anything being done about that? Well, let's let's not forget. I go back a little history. Our intelligence operations on Russia were gutted by a, a CIA spy in '85, totally gutted, and they've never recovered. And it appears to me that Russian military intelligence has these advanced weapons, and they're the ones capable of doing it, and they're the ones capable of carrying these operations. Uh, are attacking our diplomats, and including people in Washington D.C. And it seems to me the evidence is not bad that they were putting bounties on our soldiers. I'm talking about Russian military intelligence in Afghanistan. The only way that you can deal with this is go back to Cold War rules. And you, you tell the Russians, you want to play this game? Well, we'll put bounties on Russian soldiers in Chechnya and we'll, we'll give them weapons. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, our sticking our head in the sand in Russia is only going to make it worse. And they're going to be in the elections interfering in 2024, just like they did in 2020. They're going to be hacking in the rest. We are under attack. And somebody who understands Russia has got to say, all right, here's how, here's how we counter it. Here is who Vladimir Putin is. Here's how we return the message to Moscow. And I don't see anybody doing that right now. All right. So speaking of Putin, you know, he's clearly set a path for himself to stay in office for a good long time. Um, and he has to stay in office, according to some sources I've spoken to, because if he wants any of that money that he supposedly is worth now, he's got to stay in office to reap the benefits of it, because all that money was made through other people, through proxies. They all control it. So in other words, it's not him running Russia. It's this triumvirate of the mafia, the military, and the intelligence, you know, people. But, you know, he's, he's the figurehead, and he's, he's got to be there to run it. They need him. He needs them. But in, in the meantime, though, you have this Navalny movement, you know, and you have other organizations within Russia that still have opportunities to do things. So 
why doesn't the U.S. or is the U.S., to your knowledge, leveraging those possibilities uh, to improve its ability to do something meaningful when it comes to Putin? You would need a formal covert action program approved by Congress. It's called a finding. And that's a clandestine, you know, cause political sabotage in Russia. And uh, trust me, the moment that finding was written, it would be out in the public. Uh, and because so the of fact leaks? that we haven't seen it, uh, we're, uh, it's nothing is going on. And plus, we don't even know it's so bad who truly runs Russia. I mean, the sec- internal security at the FSB, that's their FBI uh, I keep hearing is the guys that run the country. I mean, they decide who goes to jail and, and, and you know, and jobs and the rest of it. You know, the funny thing is that we don't understand that these, these and our enemies, our adversaries like Iran isn't run by clerics or mullahs. It's run by the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. And we've just took us forever to figure out that Russia is run by the KGB, the old KGB. It's a security state. Both those are. And they're very difficult to understand how they work. The hidden levers of power are very, very hidden. And so we're not quite sure of what to do about Putin. I mean, if you sat the smartest guy down at the CIA and say, well, you know, we don't really know what the inner core is and who they are and what their financial interests are and, and how they fight everybody, uh, how they fight each other. I'm sorry. Um, it, it's sort of a it's a it's a it's a black box, and that's that's the problem. And we are clearly an open society, and you, we our vulnerabilities are out there on Facebook, and the Russians aren't. All right, so a couple more things on this, um, and that is this investigation that's taking place in the U.S. Um, as it relates to Mr. Giuliani and others. So, how far does that go, and who does that include, and and What's the objective? Well, I don't I mean, I don't think there's no evidence that Giuliani was a witting Russian agent, but he was just looking for opportunity in this this to undermine the election. And so these guys, Derkosh and the rest of them pop their head. And so I can find out about Hunter Biden. There's a bunch of these guys out there. And then they at Russian behest. But, you know, proving intent to cooperate with Russian intelligence on Giuliani's part, I, I just don't know how you would do that. I just don't think it's there. Um, you know, he, the guy's a nut. You know, he didn't know what he was doing, and so it, it, it's hard. So to wait, when you say he's a, when you say he's a nut, why do you say that? Because well, he looks like one. I mean, <laughs> I mean he just. There... It, 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 I'm sorry, <laughs> but I mean, he just in his statements and the rest of it. I mean, he's just. He, he's an old man that is a true believer in the Trump cult and says crazy things and had these crazy trips to the Ukraine. And it doesn't look like a, a well-organized conspiracy. OK, let me ask me. But the Russians don't care. Let me ask this question. Having spoken to some people who question whether Mr. Giuliani was all there, going back to what you said about him being a, quote, an alleged, a, quote, nut, um, is there there there? Is there is that what you're talking about? Have you been privy to conversations as well about whether he you know has some issues right now? I watch him on TV is enough for me. I mean he he's uh, you, you know I mean it, it's I'm I've seen the same thing you are okay. in the Barat Barat film. You know he's just 
this is just, you know, it, it's crazy. You so know? do you believe it, that people the, have been taking advantage of him? Oh, absolutely. I think they knew that they set him up for that Barat film and made him look like a fool. Um, That's terrible. The same way with everybody who, you know, on, on this, on this, you know, the, the attacks on Dominion, mm-hmm. the voting software company, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it, you know, it, it, there's, there's an article in the New York Times about people want to be a member of something rather than deal with the truth. And this has been exploited yeah. by all sorts of people. Yeah. Um, so, and and that's why it's so hard to get at the truth. This isn't, this isn't like a conspiracy. The Russians going back to, you know, to the twenties where you could just hear the people, hear the people that ran and here's what they did. I don't think we're going to find that here. Mm -hmm. All right. So last thing then, um, how does Russia, well, put it, put it this way. How does the U S do what the U S needs to do to stop this? situation and the situation i mean is to essentially shut down what it is that putin and his cronies are trying to do to the u.s i mean i understand the congressional piece and i understand the covert action stuff but the question i'm asking is is there a way for the u.s to win this yeah there are a lot of ways i mean you have to figure out what what's motivating the russians and if 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 we try to bring in Kiev and Minsk into NATO and put NATO troops on Russia's border, or including Georgia and everywhere else, the Russians will react in a very ugly way, uh, in the best way they can, hacking our elections again or starting a war in, in, in Ukraine. Um, we have to figure out what motivates the Russians, and we have to give foreign policy back to people who understand the world outside our borders. So in other words, the U.S. doesn't win by trying to destroy Russia. What the U.S. does is by trying to restore a, or, or, or try to put Russia in a democratic place. Not in a democratic place. It's just find out what their core interests are and, and address those. And if they still come after us, you turn around and come after them. Got it. And I don't... I think Ukraine is is a red line for them. It always has been. And they don't want to see it become a full member of NATO. Um, okay. and, and that's and that's that's really at the heart of it. And I think that probably Putin and the security establishment in Moscow can be dealt with. Do we do you really care if Ukraine is a part of NATO? I don't. Very interesting. Robert Bayer, anything you want to add? I think I said that and too much, but there you go. All right. It's good to talk to you as always. Former CIA case officer Robert Bayer. Always very, very interesting to talk to him. Coming up in our next episode, Russian military intelligence, the GRU. What do we know about them? The GRU and the SVR, which is Russia's civilian foreign intelligence service, both have residenturas in um, every country that they have an embassy in. So there are GRU officers working under diplomatic cover in Washington, D.C. Michael Weiss is director of special investigations at the Free Russia Foundation. There are GRU officers working under diplomatic cover here in New York, where I live, simply because Russia has a very sizable mission to the United Nations. 
Um, a lot of these guys in New York live in a complex in Riverdale in the Bronx, yeah. known as Riverdale, yeah. uh, which is a sort of story building. We'll talk to Weiss and some other people about what we know about Russian intelligence activities in the U.S. If you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green. That's one word at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. Also, we invite you to sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff if you want more national security information, and you can find it at WTOP.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and also follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Seven years ago, college wrestler Damian Hurd disappeared from a party in Gunnison, Colorado. Everyone had been drinking or whatever, the usual party scene. When, how, and why he left are questions I need your help to understand. Nobody's heard from him. No, it's just like he disappeared. From Cold Case Productions and Podcast One, Final Days on Earth, The Life and Death of Damian Hurd. I'm your host, Claire Sanima. Join me April 20th for the season premiere. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.